We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arsenal look poised to make history as Antonio Conte reminds his team of the history of the Tottenham. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Fittick, Black Man on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We will certainly get into the history of the Tottenham, which was articulately and well laid out by none other than Tottenham manager Antonio Conte. And I am extremely here for it. In fact, uh, I believe it probably deserves its own podcast, but it will definitely get a mention or two or seven in this podcast. And if you like Clive, which I think you do. And if you like Drunk Clive, which if you like Clive, you must like Drunk Clive. And if you like Drunk Clive participating in Schadenfreude, which he never does, you need to hear him give Antonio Conte his stock rising on the instant reaction that was done yesterday over on the Patreon side of things. Certainly a lot of fun. But I am sure you will get some of that from Clive today as Tim is away traveling and Paul is away traveling. It's a two-hander, he says, uh, above board. No, no... um, no bad references meant there. Just between me and Clive, I want to thank you for being here. We love you so much as we settle into an interlull. I, I usually hate the interlulls. I kind of welcome this one because it's just a chance to breathe. Breathe in with our eight points, our eight points ahead of City that we are currently, and breathe out with the 10 games to go. I think we can officially say that now it is the run-in. As we come back from this interlull into April, and we know what that's going to bring, it's going to be a tough time. But first, we have to celebrate and luxuriate in a 4-1 win over Fulham. And here to do that with me now, as aforementioned, Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Nice day out yesterday, I would imagine. A lovely day. Honestly, the day we had at Bournemouth was really, really, really good. But if mm-hmm. we do that every day, we're going to be dead. You know what I mean? It was too exciting, yep. right? So um, yep. that's one in a million. Where Sat, uh, sorry, Sunday was just really nice from start to finish. I was saying that it was some, I was with some really nice people and met Andrew and met lots of people, um, lots of patrons. Just so nice. It was just a nice day, nice football, nice company, great community, everything. Good beer. I barely remembered it. I barely remembered the instant reaction, so it must have been good. Well, uh, it's there for you to listen to. You can you can get full of it because you did a great job. Um, 
I, I should mention, by the way, that there's going to be some more nice days coming, the New York event. Um, if you're over on Patreon, you've seen the announcement about that, and tickets will be on sale Tuesday. Obviously, should any uh, remain available following the release of those tickets tomorrow, as I sit here and recording this, then we will make them available generally. But if not, there'll still be a uh, everybody come join us drinks event at the venue. So once um once we get a sense of of where we are with the tickets tomorrow, we'll certainly announce that widely. But if you just want to come out to the venue and have drinks uh, after the event, anyone in New York uh, certainly welcome to do that. So and and lots of other events on the horizon in other places. So hopefully a chance to get to meet everyone. Clive, going into this game, obviously you're going to get hand wringing following a European exit. It almost feels weird to mention the European exit right now because it feels so irrelevant. And I think we said this after Thursday, which is whatever happened on Sunday would set the narrative about Thursday. If we yeah. somehow drop points on Sunday, then it would be European shock leads to drop points in Premier League. Ha ha, Arsenal now, you know, where, where do they stand now? But instead, I don't think anybody's thinking about Europa League right now because we're eight points clear with 10 to go. And it feels like we are well positioned to focus where focus needs to be. Um, but it wasn't just a matter of lifting the team. He had to pick a team that could go out and get the job done on Sunday with a lot of complexity to it. There was no William Saliba. Martinelli had gone 120 minutes. Zinchenko had gone 120 minutes. Yeah. I felt that Jesus would come in and Trissard might play on the left because, of course, Martinelli was going to be tired and wouldn't be able to start fast and be intense and energetic. Lol, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> so let's let's start from the decision the manager had to make. I mean, Mikel Arteta is a perma-stock rising for the season he's having, but obviously he knows his team. He knew what he could get from his team, and I think one of the critical components of this lineup is that he didn't, he didn't shift everybody around to prevent Rob Holding from being in the team. He trusted Rob Holding, which allowed him to play everybody else where they play, and he was rewarded with a performance. And that's what you should do. You often hear me use the word hierarchy. I choose that word for a reason. There is a natural hierarchy. You know who your competitor is in the dressing room, and you've got to try and take him out. right? So when that play, play doesn't play, and the manager does some form of mental gymnastics to go and pick somebody else who may be left foot in, in your position, for example, then you've got to say to yourself, hold on, for the last season, he's telling me how he trusts me and trusts everybody in the room, and and then when the moment comes for me to play, suddenly he's picking anybody else who can walk in a straight line. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so he did exactly what I expected him to do, which was pick the guy that's in that position to play the game of football and one of those guys that's one part of the leadership group, you would have undermined him completely if you didn't play him in this game. So that was a that was a, a no surprise to me. But maybe what was a surprise yeah. was the performance, <laughs> which was as you know as good as good as you get from him. You know, really really aggressive. But we'll come to that a bit later. Um, I had the same concern as you, Elliot, with starting eleven. I just thought, are we going to find the legs? Are we going to find the legs? Yeah. And, and we found the legs. And that maybe tells you that the focus is really on this. And it was at Leicester. You know, it was it was there at Fulham in particular. The edge, the focus, the accuracy, the quality of passing and movement. The snap, the edge, it just wasn't there in Europa League. But it's there in the Premier League. And the players are telling you what they, what they really want to win, aren't they, really? By just how they're how they're playing and moving and and pressing and those things weren't in place on Thursday night. They were just doing just enough to try to win a game which they should have won and end up losing. But really, come Sunday, there was no no mistakes, no mistakes. You can't fake it. 
you can't fake what matters to you. And like, I think there is a tendency, and, and I'm guilty of this, to sometimes want to only discuss things that are measurable, that I can, you know, see the data or prove with your eyes. And I can't prove that they didn't care about the Europa League. And I'm sure by the end of the game, they did. They sure looked like they did. But when you look at the ferocity with which we went after Fulham, and I'm not saying this, uh, pardon me, um, Palace, if I said Fulham at some point earlier in this podcast, only because the performance against Fulham and the performance against Palace <laughs> look fairly familiar. But yeah. um, uh, obviously Palace, the the way the way we attacked that game, and I realize they're, they're not as good as sporting, but you just see that the league is everything right now. And, uh, you know, I, I mean... Right from the beginning, I think Shaka puts Martinelli in. It's taken off his toe. We're right there. Um, Martinelli obviously is going to wind up opening the scoring, and we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. But I, I think the decision to start Martinelli is an interesting one because obviously he goes 120 minutes. He misses the critical penalty that does ultimately lead to us being knocked out in Europe. And the manager just says, here you go. You start the very next game. And he rewards him with the opening goal. And it is the opening goal against low-block teams. I mean, I, I know this was a changed back line and a changed manager for Palace, but they should have probably kept a nil-nil against Manchester City just a couple weeks ago, um, you know, were it not for a really dumb penalty. So we know that they can do the low block thing. Breaking a low block is about getting that early goal and, and not giving them something to hold on to. And, and I think the reward for Martinelli is great. What, what What's your take on the decision to start him after 120 minutes and the performance he put in, which at least for an hour, he was just herring around. He looked as good as ever. Yeah, the the ability to recover for these young players is is incredible, really. But I, I do think some Europa League games they are they are jogging it a little bit, mate. They're doing it in mm, patches, yeah. and um, the Europa League for me was always about getting the Champions League and seeing where we are right now. Then suddenly it doesn't feel as shiny, although I, although I wanted it until we didn't have it. If you see what I mean, and these mm. players are just telling you, and the things I I look for earlier is just the the accuracy and speed of passing. That ball was fizzing yesterday. You could hear it, mate. Bang, bang. It was fizzing, and it was fizzing to safe side, on time. Movement was, timing was running around runners, you know, running around people receiving the ball, sorry. The fast support, the upset through, third man runs in your outside pods. It was just all there. And you just can't, you can't fool people, you know. And, and as fans... We're all walking around as Arsenal people and we just have that look in our eye that we all know what we're thinking. We're looking at each other saying, that look that says, yeah, this is good. What you know, We don't mention the word, the word we, we won't mention, but there's just that look. The title? I'll mention it over and over and over again. Thank you very much. It's yeah. just that look. And, and then it looks as though the players have the same thing. And Martin is a great example. I mean, how does he produce that literally two days later? How does he do that? You know, how does he produce the same energy? You know, Joel Ward's not a bad player out there, and we got a bit, maybe a bit lucky. We walked it a pace at the right time because they lost they lost Yoki Manderson before the kickoff, who's quite a good yep. ball progressing centre back, and uh, it would have been quite interesting. Kid in there in goal. Yeah, and the Canary Kid in goal. We walked into them at the right time, whereas we didn't walk into Goodison Park at the right time. And you get that mm -hmm. through a season, and we took advantage of it, and. Um, Brignelli got executed, and Martinelli is sh you know, shift and shoot, weak side, bang, centre of the laces, goal, for, rips the net out. And it's like, you know, that sort of goal's worth, it feels like it's worth two. You know what I mean? And then the second goal comes, you know, on the other side, rat-a-tap, Saka runs in, third man runs, slot, finish. It's like quite, quite demoralising. 
you know, and um, the quality is so high, it demoralizes them. And, um, mate, I just keep shaking my head. I'm shaking my head at you now. I shake my head. I'm thinking, bloody hell, this is really good. You know, really good. Well, oh, yeah. th- these, these games can go a couple different ways, though, right? And so there, there, there are moments in the game that really determine the trajectory of how it's going to go from there. And, and I think it is worth talking about that Zaha shot that Ramsdale keeps out and ha- bounces off him and bounces out. Like mm. that was a that was a pattern of play where they could have gotten a lead, and you don't want that low block team to get that lead and have something to protect. Um, Party gambles, doesn't win the gamble. Holding decides he needs to try to take out the move, and he goes through, tries to take the ball and the man, doesn't really get either of them, and suddenly they're in. Um, and Zaha who I thought from a defensive standpoint was liable for a couple of goals and a couple of big chances. He was, he was asleep off the ball, but on the ball, he looked like he always looks against us for whatever reason he brings his a game against us from an attacking standpoint. It's a really nice shift and shoot. It's a great shot. In the moment I had it as a Ramsdale weak hand. I thought it should have been a stronger hand to push it around the post (laughs) upon reflection and watching it again. I think it's a good, a good job of getting down quickly to keep it out of his near post and he gets a little lucky with the rebound. That's the moment though, right? Like they had nothing to offer really defensively. It looked like we could break them down, but you can't give him, you can't give him something to protect. So what's your take on how, how that happened? I mean, was that maybe Rob Holdings one little moment? He, he doesn't need to be there. He doesn't need to be all the way up there. Or is it more what happens before that with maybe party gambling, not getting there? Rob gets a little unlucky. He, he tries to take the ball on the man and just kind of ricochets back to pals. Yeah. I, I don't mind Rob Holding doing Rob Holding things. If they work out, they work out. And I expect yeah. him to come through. I think it's Edward, I think it was. I, I expect him to come yeah. through him. And and he did. And the break, the second, the pieces, the bits and pieces, second ball didn't fall our way and they're running in. Ben White's in position. He's not quite as balanced as controlled he'd like to be with Sahar running at him. Sahar chops inside, gets an early shot off. Um, good player. Great touch onto the post. Luckily, you haven't got as big a head as uh, Martinez, and he, and he drops back out for a corner, right? So, um, great save from Ramsdale. Didn't see the save originally until I watched it this morning. So, great touch. So, how's a good yeah. player? And what Paddy's do, they like to leave him high and wide left, and the others work around him. And so, but they have him and Elise quite wide. So, they sort of used um, Edward and IU to sort of hold the central zone. Hey, they're nice players. They're good players. They're nice players. They're, they're going to be fine. Didn't need to fire the manager. Let's not go into that, shall we? They, 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 we are going to go into that. Oh, uh, well. Just yeah, because yeah. the Vieira song rang out at the ground. Oh, hugely. Quite lustily. Yeah, they don't need to. Good, they good need for to. him, yeah. And, um, and, they're, and they're going to be fine. And, and he's a good player, a player that I've always, you know, I wanted to come to Arsenal years ago, but history has a way of rewriting itself. We would be talking about Marnelli maybe if we didn't, if we got Sahar, so... Things work out for the better in the end, right? But um, good player, Elliot. He's got nice feet. You know, he wants to play. Always plays well at the Emirates. I do like watching him play the game. But I thought Ben White handled him quite well. Overall, I thought he was more than his match in the game. Probably the only foot holding puts wrong in the game. If you if you even have it as a foot wrong, I'm not sure that I do. But my point was, no. Rob Holt, for this game to go the way it did... As we said, Arteta had to trust Rob Holding to come in and play the the position being played by one of the great young players in the league right now who's been one of the players of the season. One of the things about losing Saliba is not just the defensive solidity. You lose recovery pace because we want to play so high up the pitch. And you lose some really prodigious passing. 
you know what Rob Holding is going to be defensively, and mostly I think he did the job he needed to do. What impressed me was the way he was able to maintain some of that passing. First of all, he had a couple of big switches out to the left that I thought were brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just kind of like floating lofted switches that just switched the play. I mean, really good pickouts that that put us into dangerous positions. He was 64 of 70, 91% passing, the second leading passer in the team behind only Thomas Party. Saliba usually is one or two in passing, and you think, What's going to happen when Holding has to take that role? Well, you know what? Yeah. He stepped in. He completed passes at a similar percentage. He played some of the same kind of passes. He stood in the same kind of places. And by and large, we looked like Arsenal. And I just, we know he's a good dressing room guy. He's a glue guy. But when you step on the pitch, you still have to be able to keep a team trying to win a title at a title winning level. And I'm not saying I want to go to Anfield with Rob Holding, but if Saliba needs to miss that Leeds game, this performance is going to make Everybody feel a lot more sure about that. He's a likable player. He feels like an Arsenal guy. He's been through a lot with this group. And I'm so happy he got to have this moment in this season where he's getting a lot of deserved praise for being part of the collective that that beat up on Palace. Yeah, I think um, there are a couple of players, really, Granit Xhaka and Holding, that have really come through this, you know, this whole period where we've gone through some real dips. So if anything does come out the other side, I hope they're... I hope they're on the pitch. You know, if that thing happens, <laughs> I'll be looking at them. You know, on, on the pitch. So, uh, I do think Ben White being Rob Holding's mate was really, really influential in this game. And I think they worked. Oh no, the back three worked as a unit, and they really worked as a unit. I thought Rob Holding punched in, and and Gabriel swept around. I think that was the plan. Um, but I, I did think Rob's movement off the ball to receive it, to separate, to make sure he had time, was far more business-like. I thought his pace of passing was crisp. And so there's 91%, there's 91% slow passes that the, the person that gets it gets robbed. This was like punching the ball in with complete freedom. And it, it brought it back to days when he arrived in the team. He was, For me, he was known for his passing. And that went away as sort of lack of confidence. But yesterday, he was banging that ball. You know, in step and on laces and clipping it, and he was really brave and and confident. And always, I always look for the intention to play, and his intention to play was excellent. We know his limitations that he can't physically do certain things, but that's mm. fine because he can do other things. And he was really dominant in the air, and he was really forceful. And he left he left a few on Edward, and I like that. He played it his way, whereas Libra is literally he comes off the pitch with clean shorts. Non-contact. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to pick your pockets, and you don't know your money's been stolen. You know he's that type of defender. So different styles, but we got we got the result. But you got to be careful because if you get Rob Holding too fired up, you wind up with the away derby that you got last season, right? And what I thought is he had the right level of intensity and aggression in this game and he support from his right and back. support. Yeah, well, so so let's say that because maybe the star of the game is Ben White. Because he's there protecting Rob Holding. He's there creating assists for Saka. For the Martinelli goal, it's his ball recovery that keeps the ball uh, in, in that pocket of space, then gives it to Saka to, to play the crossover to Martinelli, who it's pretty individual brilliance there for the goal. But mm. I thought this was Rob Holding's best game in ages. Not that he hasn't been good, but I mean, this ben was... Ben White's best game sin- in ages. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I thought this was Ben White's best game in ages. I'll finish off this coffee and everything and get back on track. Um, <laughs> like, he was just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And, like, sprinting to overlap and playing the little underlaps. And I I, ha- I take notes during the game. Um, 
you know, so I can remember things like that we were playing Palace instead of Fulham. Um, and at one point, right before our second goal, I said the dam looks ready to break. And it was all down that right-hand side. And it was all Ben White winning the ball back, retaining it, underlapping, overlapping. I mean, just a brilliant Ben White performance. Probably a big reason why Holding looks as good as he does and also a big reason why we get, you know, at least a couple of the goals that we got. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think... It's going to be a positive podcast there. I'm sorry, people. Because just this is enough. <laughs> what can you, what can you say, right? Eight points um, <laughs> ben White is an, an elite footballer, and he's he sort of enjoys he enjoys his game. He enjoys his role, and he's he's adapted to it so well that I, I barely think of him as a centre back now. And you know, people work in pairs and in threes, and and you're looking at the England situation and. <laughs> You're just looking at it thinking, I don't care what right backs you have because we've got the right winger that's going to play. So why wouldn't you support him with the player that he's used to playing with? Because, the, again, the distribution, the angles of passing that goes into Saka's feet is, is brilliant. He can work with the third midfielder in Odegaard brilliantly well. He knows when to stand mm-hmm. still, support his fullback. When he's focused, he has, he has other days when he's not, and I've given him stick for that. But when he's focused like he was yesterday with his mate playing, he thought, I better be focused today. And he was focused against Sahar. He, he wanted to smash him to pieces. Um, and and then he runs away from him and makes Sahar defend him, which takes Sahar yep. away from the danger area. Which he, Sahar didn't do, by the way. Yeah, he didn't <laughs> he do. And when he did do it, he moaned missing. about it because that's not yep. what he wants to do. So you're making mm-hmm. the guy play in areas where he's not effective. And that's what you got to do. You can't stand as a right back. You can't stand still and say, it's me and you today with your winger. It's a battle of cat and mouse. Sometimes you've got to go for a run to see if he wants to go with you. And Zaha didn't, and we got rewards from it. So I thought, I agree with you, Alex. <coughs> His best game, because the circumstances required it, and he was excellent. And like, I, I this this season's been a, such an interesting journey. And w- one of the things that we went on in this journey was the period, we, we had lots of little periods in this journey. Um, one of them was the rest stop of uh, so we got off the, we got off the freeway and we, we went to the rest stop and the rest stop was titled Arsenal can't break down a low block we we had that pit stop at the journey remember that the Arsenal can't yeah. break down a low block and um, you know now well we can break it down past- until until we can't and then we then then we worry <laughs> about it right so yeah well right yeah of course um, by the way I think our goal difference now is forty <clears throat> to is it forty to City's forty. Two or forty-three, so we're we're <laughs> why, right about why there. Are you asking these questions when you can just look at your computer? <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to the website called Clive. Can you Google that for me? Uh, <laughs> my, my favorite one. Um, you guys should use it. By the way, they're a new sponsor. Clive, can you Google that for me? We are on forty goal difference. The city's pardon me, forty-two. Sorry, yep. I, I do have access to go Google, and so I mean that becomes an issue. But I, I, I think we have to acknowledge that. If this season takes us to the ecstasy that we are hoping for, Edu, Arteta, <clears throat> the club, everybody involved in bringing Leah Trossard to the carpet deserves uh, a lot of credit. Because, and I have to be careful how I do this, because this could sound like uh, criticism wrapped in a compliment. Eddie and Kedia, we're not in the position to win, win the league without Eddie and Kedia. You don't want to give back that United three points. You don't want to give back the, the, the away Derby three points. No way. We're going to remember those forever. But it had started to look like low blocks were becoming a problem, and our left-hand side had gone off the boil, and a little of the interconnectedness was going. 
And Leo Trossard, who, you know, had come in and played well off the left when we thought, well, maybe the issue is Martinelli, gets the chance to play up front. And I think that has been the next transformative moment in our season as we wait for Gabriel Jesus to get fully back up to speed. And I laughed off Mikel Arteta's comments that now Jesus has to earn his place back in the team. I laughed them off. <laughs> Come on. Jesus, right back in the team. But the way Trissard is playing and the way the front three looks with him playing, maybe Jesus has to earn his place back in the team. Uh, Clive, this guy is, he's just brilliant. And I, I know we're skipping ahead a little bit, but the goal he lays on Nishaka, just the, the way he pops into space at the top of the D and and plays the one-twos. And then if Martinelli comes inside, he just seamlessly understands when to go out, you know, outside. He's, his movement, his way of passing, it, it's so intelligent. And you think back to technical players like Santi Cazorla that we've had at Arsenal, maybe a little bit of Andre Arshavin up front. Like, he just feels so Arsenal that there are times I forget he came in January and hasn't been here the whole time. But I think he has taken us up another level now in terms of our yeah. ability to, to break down these teams that want to sit deep and, and ask us to pick the lock. I'll agree with that. I think um, when we did the IR yesterday, I, I I didn't remember him. And I sort of, you know, I couldn't think of anything he did wrong. I couldn't see, and everything he did was so right. He was so he was so good that I, I didn't see him. I know it doesn't make sense, but I just didn't see him. Because when a ball comes into him, he knows he knows when it should be back foot, takes it, moves it, pops it, receives it. Happy to receive it anywhere. Always got, always got two turns just to stop someone, free somebody, create a new picture. When he does fancy a sprint, he can do that. He he did one big sprint down left hand side, and then he conned Elise to to diving, and then the referee bought the dive. So you thinking, crikey, we'd have been on goal there. He's smart, he's wise, and he had, more importantly, he has he obviously has the respect of his teammates. Footballistically wise, mm-hmm. they want to give him the ball. They don't give the ball to idiots. Trust me, I've seen it myself. I've coached it myself. I watch players when someone doesn't look after the ball. The players turn away from him. They go to the other side. You're going to lose it, man. I'm not giving it to you. And they go the other way. Mm -hmm. They they are massively hard on each other. They just keep giving him the ball. I love the way he recognizes the stress of his his centre midfielders. And then he says, sometimes he just comes right next to them and then just says, I'll have it here. I just think he just makes us all look really collective. We are a collective group, and when we're not a team of individuals, although we have individuals within the group, it's all about the group. And our numbers are telling us that our scoring numbers, assisted numbers, they're well, they're well shared around. I think almost every outfield player has scored this year. I mean, it's just a group, and he fits the group. Um. He fits the group under stress as well. So under stress, he becomes more team-orientated, not individual. And I think that's really important to us, you know, that we keep that unit going. And when you're watching it and you think, this is looking quite easy, if you watch it closely and look at how the jobs are so well-known to make sure we create ways of attack, we don't rest. The ball goes out for a throw. It's a quick throw. A free kick, put it down, take it. It's just move it, move it, move it until the other team looks exhausted. I look at some of the Crystal Palace players and there's some good athletes in there. Tyreek Mitchell, good player, sharp on the tackle, good sprinting speed. Mate, in the first half, he had to sit down for a while, pretend he had an injury and sit down. He was just, he was sucking in oxygen. 
And he can move. You can't move with these players. I do think, Andy, I don't know if you agree with me. We don't talk about our fitness levels. You know, but Thursday to Sunday, big game. Is it time to start talking about that? I don't know about what do you think, mate? Well, I mean, I think it's also, th- there are drawbacks to trying to win a title with 21-year-olds. But there mm. are benefits. They can run forever, right? They can run forever. Um, these guys are young. They're energetic. You know, I, I do think Saka plays within himself on Thursdays. Now he doesn't have to worry about that. Um, and you see the difference. I think Martinelli never plays within himself, frankly, but he seems to have that engine and that lung capacity to just, you know, run and burst and 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 he seems tireless and indefatigable. I think the thing with Trissard is it, th- what we're building reminds me a little bit of what Liverpool built early on in that Firmino's job was to create a platform for Sané uh, Amane and Salah. Yeah. And in Martinelli and Saka, we have the two budding superstars of the league. And so while, yeah, Trissard wants to chip in with a goal here or there, he'd love to do that. Look, at he's got, what, seven assists, seven goals plus assists, whatever it is now, six assists. He's he's given them back the platform, and there's a lot more balance now between our left-hand side and our right-hand side. Martinelli's goal is all Martinelli, right? It's It's his style. He gets the ball. His acceleration is too quick. His ball striking is too good with his weaker foot across the keeper. He is just yeah. a goal scorer. It's what he wants to do. Beautiful goal. Saka's goals, sum him up. Clever little runs, finding pockets of space, right? Exchanging passes in tight foot. spaces. Go. And then cool as you like. Oh, by the way, yeah, he has a nice little cool finish from the channel for his first. His second one is Robin Van Persie. It explodes off his left foot, starts outside the post and curls in. We think of him as the nice player, the technical player, the clever player. Look at the power in what he does for that second finish. Because it's not a goal that we need, I think there's less focus on how good that is. And by the way, credit to Tierney for a nice pullback, showing he doesn't just spam crosses every time he gets into a wide position. It's a lovely pick out. Very so, good. Yeah, I thought we saw a lot of really great things. By the way, leading up to the second goal, um, Shaka looks like he did the same thing Tomiyasu does. And Tomiyasu sounds like he's uh, in for a knee operation and potentially a long spell on the sideline. Yeah. Shaka... You know, there are people that even still haven't fully warmed him. I think most people have. And by the way, you have to love the redemption arc of a guy who at one point was going to leave the club complaining of basically Instagram threats against his family. Now, having his family at the stadium, you know, making silly goal-scoring gestures to his daughter who's there. And the way, you know, there's a Granite Shaka song that rings out. I I love where we've all gone together collectively with that player, a player that I've been critical of, certainly. Um it is impossible to win anything if you're constantly chopping and changing. And Shaka's incredible availability has given every manager he's played for that one pin in the in the system that, you know, I can put this in and it's always going to be there. And so love what he brings or, or still unsure about it. I think you see with a Tomiyasu, as we saw with a Tierney, availability is important. And when Shaka goes down like that, I'm like, uh-oh, that looks like the Tomiyasu injury. What does he do? He gets right back up and he plays because Shaka just plays. And Clive, it's time to probably accept that in addition to everything he brings from a leadership standpoint and, oh, by the way, now goal scoring and the other things he's added, his availability is such a comfort to a manager at times when you feel like you're constantly having to chop and change around. Yeah, I I look at his physicality actually. I think he's bombing up and down that pitch. He really, when you see him close, he just bombs up and down. And he's understanding of the system 
does find him in areas sometimes that you don't want him to be, but he doesn't care. He says, yeah, I'm a six foot one centre mid, per se, likes to spray the ball about. Mm. What I'm going to do, I'm going to bomb into the box when I can. And by the way, if Martinelli chops inside, I'm going to chop out to the left wing onto the touchline. And he doesn't think, well, I, I don't play out there. He looks around and sees that the, the, you know, within our five lanes, we've got a gap on lane five. So he pops out to lane five, receives it, will pass it back inside and shifts position. He just does it. And so availability, yes, but un- tactical understanding, people underestimate it from him. And we forget he's a hundred cap, international captain, has played a few matches. And he gets it, understands it. Yes, there are times I've noticed now, I've got to recognize him a little bit more from, I recognize, sorry, when he gets tired, I can I can see it, whereas before I couldn't. And um, But how he manages his tired moments are better. I think sometimes he used to dive out of his, into tackles and do things stupidly, where now he's a little bit more conservative and keeps the ball, even though he's not moving well himself. So it's mm. it's great to see him develop into a tactical player that really has a role within the team and and take responsibility for where other people are not. And that's what I like about him. He, he's second ball merchant, bits and pieces, get it, move it, receive it from party when he's under stress, bounce it off, they can go again, new picture. And then, by the way, I have nothing to do. I'll tell you what I do. I'll crash the box. Trossard sees him run past him. Trossard comes out, receives it, turns around, slips slips him in perfect weight it's just like hard to stop isn't it mate it's hard to stop you know what i love i love that he he doesn't finish a goal against fulham right that would have been one of those really cute Mm. uh intricate passing moves one two three and the tenacity he shows to finish this one like almost in his mind he's like i'm not screwing up another one of these nice moves because zinchenko plays a beautiful entry ball into him he pops it back off to trissard trissard pops it back to him and he's being tackled and he's going to the ground but he finds a way to get that in the net um almost like penance for the for the fulham chance just a great moment yeah yeah it's it's, um yeah i look at that position and and i'm always looking at how ways we can develop it because i think there are times when we need something else, you know, and but there are times also that some of the things that he does, some of those players I think about with rose tinted glasses can't do what he does, you know. And um, the real tests are to come for us. I keep saying that, but we've done so many tests so far. But a couple of tests that are staring us in the face in the, in, the, in the near future, and I want him on the pitch. I'm not looking to pick somebody else. I want him on the pitch until he can't give us what we need or to gain state changes. So we'd all pick him in that starting 11 to go to City on April 26. We want him to play. You know, and that's yeah. the truth of it. He may not end the game, but who knows, right? So, um, and that, that's a credit to him, right, for me anyway. From me anyway, that's my, that's the best thing I can say for him. But. Make no mistake, like Arsene Wenger built a generation that probably could have won a title or a couple titles. But Van Persie was never fit. And Theo Walcott was never fit. And Seth Fabregas was injured more than we remember. And Jack Wilshire couldn't stay fit. And Santi Cazorla didn't stay fit. And Aaron, Aaron, Ramsey. Ram- uh, Aaron Ramsey. And now, again, some of these through no fault of their own. Diaby, yep. Ramsey, obviously, ankle breaks. My point isn't it's their fault. It's a point that we had eras, entire eras wrecked through unavailability of players for one reason or another. And so you have to respect the the benefit of availability. And again, not to pick on Tierney, like there may be another top four finish under our belt, you know, or maybe a and, Europa and, League trophy if if T- 
Tierney could stay fit. You know, so we we should appreciate availability as a critical component of of what a player brings to your team. Yeah, I agree. And I think as we're sitting here today basking on, on a Monday after a beautiful performance, looking ahead, you know, for two weeks with no Arsenal football, we have this ridiculous international break slotted in at a time when Champions League quarterfinals are about to be played, Europa League quarterfinals are about to be played, the last 10 games in the league season, and you have two important games, by the way, for international teams slotted in where the, we don't know the collateral damage to us, to other teams, and it can literally change your future. I mean, last year's international break at this time, it did change a lot of things for Arsenal. You know, it really yeah. did. And we just yeah. got to hope and pray that the players we're talking about today in such positive terms are all available for us in a couple of weeks' time. Well, the big question, right? So Saliba's not going to go away with France, and... The question I think everybody's wondering is, have we played a blinder there in the sense of we got through Palace without him so that now we keep him home for you know two weeks and he'll be ready right after the international break? It's a back thing. We don't know. The comments from Arteta, I thought, sounded a little more sanguine in the sense that he was like, Tommy's really bad with Saliba. We're not as worried, but let's see. There's a scan tomorrow. Yeah, I know there were some several weeks reports in France, but several weeks could mean he misses the international break. Like that's literally what that could mean. So we'll have to see about that. Um, you know, I, I think one good thing is we're looking more uh, robust up front with Jesus back and Trossard and and Saka and Martinelli all in the picture. And Nelson has contributed some good stuff. I I think Inkedi is still quite a way out. So you know, unfortunately, I'm not sure we're going to have him for a while. The 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 two of these guys, though, Saka and Martinelli, what we have in them, like Clive, it just, I don't think we're even ready to appreciate it. It might be a while. Martinelli is our leading scorer. Saka might be the the player of the season in the Premier League at whatever they are, 21 years old. It's it's extraordinary what they're doing. And I, I don't know. I somehow feel like they're not properly appreciated. I mean, maybe we should thank Erling Holland for scoring. I think he's up to 712 goals this season. Um, in all comps, because maybe it takes a little spotlight away, just a little bit, um, so that they can oh. just go about their job. Because then you throw Odegaard in there, and I mean, from a young player standpoint, like what these guys are doing is incredible. But we have the two young stars of the league, and outside of I don't know if we want to still consider someone like Mbappe or Holland young players. Outside of them, we have the two young stars of the of the game, both playing for us at the same time, and. Assuming all goes the way we hope it will, contractually with Saka, which I think is very close, we're going to have the chance to enjoy this for a long time to come. Yeah, so perception. I used to get angry about this a lot more this season. I worried about our perception, worried about what people are saying about us. There's, there's, look what's happening right now. So in this league, we like superstars. So Haaland's a superstar. Man City are rocking into you know, the Champions League court finals. They're building, they're building a cup team with four centre-backs at the back and a monster up front. Every time he scores a double hat trick, he's on TV. And and that's it. And he takes all the headlines. Manchester United are England's team, shall we say? And every time they certainly score, PGMOL's team. Let's yeah. Go and you know, every FA Cup game they play is on TV. So they take the national headlines away from us. And um but I'm 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 pretty cool about it. And also, you know, you, we you know, the Europa League last week, you know. It is something where Europe gets to see Arsenal and we don't always play well in the Europa League and have some major moments where it hasn't gone so well for us. So 
I write with perception across Europe. You look at players like Vinicius Junior, by the way, who we can watch in the Champions League and you think, wow, what a player he is. Martinelli, he hasn't got the same profile around the world and we know his qualities. And I'm and I'm quite happy with that because he signed a contract and we've got five or six more years of him at this level. And in five or six more years' time, they're going to know about him. You know, if we win, we're going to have to win. And it's the same for, for Saka as well. They're still building their reputations, although we get to see them every single week and we've watched them grow up and we know that that first goal that Martinelli scored on Sunday is something that he's worked on and improved on. And he's smashing it in off his weak side. And it's just like stand up and applaud job. You know, it's just like incredible. And um, so I'd rather just sit. I'm not so worried now about other people liking us. I just want us to keep our focus and play as a, with a group type collaboration, collaborative mentality that allows mm. the group to succeed. That's what I want to see happen more than anything. And then these players will get their rewards unlike players on the other side of North London who seem to get a lot of rewards for delivering very little when it counts under pressure. Focus about delivering under pressure at Anfield and Newcastle and versus Brighton and, and City and making sure we deal with leads. If you do that, then you, you'll you'll get your you'll get your flowers, you'll get your rewards from everybody. You won't there won't be false there won't be things because you're you, you're a nice guy. There'll be things because you you've won something, you've delivered, and I think that's what I need to focus on, in my opinion. Thirteen goals and two assists for Martinelli. Twelve goals and ten assists for Saka. Like it just we're spreading it around. Sixteen goal and goal involvements for Odegaard. Gabriel Jesus just now back, right? He's on five goals and five assists and raring to go. Trossard's on seven goals plus assists. Obviously, we don't have Enkedia right now, but like it's it is being shared around. Mm. Um, it's just, it, it's beautiful to see. This performance felt complete in some ways. The only thing I'll ask you about before we um, before we shift gears a little bit, the uh, the goal we allowed, I mean, it's another set-piece goal. It's perfectly delivered. It drops into a really difficult place. I think Odegaard and is it Gabriel maybe getting each other's way? But like, yeah. th- that's, that's the only damper on it. And I think it's a damper worth talking about only because set-piece defending isn't just a this game thing. We've seen it become a problem and it's probably something that um, that the coaches will be talking about at full time and wanting to get sorted out. Yeah, I've, I've looked at this a little bit, not super close, but I'll just give you my feeling on it. Um, we tend to use Odegaard as a blocker in, in this and he gets... Well, he certainly did some blocking on this one. <laughs> well, he gets... But he, it's the second time I've seen it now. I can't remember the other goal where he gets ragdolled about on the back post. And I know what... You need him to block, but I sometimes wish, is there somebody else who could do it? <laughs> it's a bit stronger. Maybe Are we asking him to do something that he just can't physically do and we don't want him doing? Because people are running through that block and they're getting into the zone where you have, uh, you have like part zone, part man-to-man, but you're, you're, you have your weaker players on the edge of the area and you ask them to just disturb the run of the strong players coming in. So when it gets to the zone... Your four main headers can clear the ball. They're good in the air. So you want them to disturb their run, and, and he's getting a bit ragged. He's getting a bit ragged about, and so it's just a small detail. I will say I've had a good. I'm starting to watch Arteta a little bit more now because obviously you can, through him you can you can see a lot if you watch his body language, mm-hmm. etc. And it's quite, it's quite interesting the the dominance he has in the coaching group. You know, he's standing there with with um, his assistant and moment the corner comes 
or a throwing comes or something happens set piece wise, he calls up the set piece coach, aggressive, get up here. And it's like they just hop, they change positions straight away. One sits down, one stands up. So it's a, it's a team off the pitch as well as on the pitch. It's like there's no mess here. This is your job now, your responsibility. What's happening here? What's our setup? And you can see them communicating. And it's like, wow, man, you're a hard taskmaster. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, and I just see it. But that's it's all about standards, isn't it? The standards you can, when we can see the goal for set piece, you can you can see the hurt. You, know, you can see it around the group, the players, the coaching staff. They hurt and they want to fix it. You know, so um, from a fan perspective, to see that level of standards is what we want, isn't it? Really? Yeah, we'll, I'm not going to be critical of Nicholas Jover. Jover, Jover. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Uh, like. Our set pieces have been great when they hadn't been for a long time, but yeah. you know the set piece defending is something to tighten up because by and large, we don't give away a lot of good chances. So you don't yeah. want to give freebies Free on, on set pieces. Yeah. One thing that's happening in, in this season, I feel like after every game, there's just some awesome stuff that circulates on social media. You know, Video from the ground that gives you an angle of something you may not have seen while you were there. And I don't know if you've come across this one, Clive. There's a video doing the rounds uh, from behind our goal when Martinelli scores the opening goal. And it's okay. of Ramsdale. Yeah, yeah. And Ramsdale's that, yeah. watching the move, watching the move. And when it gets to Martinelli, he swings his left foot on it. Yeah, yeah. Right as Martinelli swings his left foot on his. And it goes in and Ramsdale just holds his arms out like, that's what he does. That's yeah. how you do it. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's such a such a cool little moment. There's so many little videos coming out from the ground now. And if you're not able to get there, uh, which for so many of us, I wasn't there, obviously you were. Um, and so many people can't get there. At least there's a lot of stuff going around right now to make you feel like you, like you were there. Oh, and, uh, I thought that was a really fun moment. One, one thing I will say that it's a little bit. Obviously, I was in, mm-hmm. I was in the tone to the weekend, and the amount of Americans I met was amazing. Mm-hmm. The number Norwegians, a lot of it's St. Patrick's weekend over here, so um, and a lot of Irish people were over. Obviously, Andrew was over, and it's and mm-hmm. it makes you realise. And people say it's my first game. It's my first game. I know people know this particularly ones that are listening, but there's a lot there's a lot of people that don't get to go. And I hope we're not too sycophantic about it when I do get to go. I just try to share that experience because it is very, very special. And, and I've been going over a long time. And I met some people who are going a long time like me and they are equally as happy as they can possibly be. So um yeah. I hope that comes yeah, across appropriately. So many emails from people saying I'm finding a way to get over there. The other thing is so many emails of people saying how do you get tickets? Great oh. question. <laughs> I mean, it's like gold dust right now. But um, yeah. All right. I want to talk about the substitutions, the the back four we finished the game with. A little bit about uh, Gabriel Jesus. We, of course, have to cover, uh, I, I'd say, look, Arteta is my favorite manager in the league right now, but Antonio Conte is a close second, so we got to cover him. Um, but we got to cover NordVPN. So we've had a lot of sponsors on this podcast, and point blank, I have not had... I have not had any sponsor where people ask me for the link to it, like on social media or offline or whatever, as much as Nord. Uh, Nord VPN is a VPN I've always used. I love it. It's great. They're one of the big ones. A couple of things I like about it. They have apps for like uh, iOS and Android devices and things like that. So if you're not using it on a computer, you can literally go to the app, tap connect, and it connects. So a few things it does. First of all, it'll let you pick the region you want to connect from. So if you want to watch Match of the Day, or if you want to watch U.S. Netflix, or if you want to watch something in Australia, uh, I know this is going to sound very parent of me, but there's a show called Bluey, and it's really amazing. And the new season of Bluey had come out in Australia like a year before it was slated to come out in the U.S. You can just change your region and watch from another region. 
So Nord lets you do that. It also does threat protection. Like it's funny, VPNs, now we think of them as like, oh, I can watch from other regions. Well, really what they also do is they protect your privacy. They protect your browsing history. There's threat protection to protect you from malware. I would just say, go ahead and do it. It's nordvpn.com slash arsenalvision. Very easy, right? Nordvpn.com slash arsenalvision. And what you'll get for our link is a huge discount on a two-year plan in a free month but you get a month to try it risk-free. So like, if you don't like it, you can cancel, you can forget the whole thing happened. Um, maybe you, you know, you're leaving the country and you just need it for a month to go browse back in your home country while you're gone and then you don't need it again. They'll give you your money back. You can just basically borrow it for a month. But I think once you do it, you're, you're going to love it. NordVPN.com slash Arsenal Vision. That's one that I, I really believe in and I think a lot of people have been really excited about. Another one that I was using before they were a sponsor is Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is, it's total body health and wellness in one supplement. And that's what I like because I was taking tons of gummy vitamins and things like that. I had some gut health issues, which is what led me to it. A friend of mine who was a doctor was like, oh, you should try this AG1 thing that I'm doing. Um, and, and so I tried it, worked really well for me. Um, it's 75 high quality ingredients, right? Whole foods, source superfoods, adaptogens, probiotics. It's also going to work with any lifestyle. So if you're keto, vegan, dairy-free, paleo, it works for you. Very, very low sugar too. Um, uh, it's a philanthropic organization. They've given a lot of money to, to charity, um, which you know is uh, near and dear to our heart because we're going to be doing that again soon. It costs less than the price of an expensive cup of coffee a day. So I like it. Energy, better um, rest and recovery, just a wonderful one-stop solution. You put a scoop of it into water, you drink the water down, and, and you're good to go. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. That's athleticgreens.com slash vision. Check it out, guys! Is that enough of that? Indeed. Nailed it. <sighs> okay. It always wakes me up. It always wakes me up. Gets my energy going. We're ready. We're ready. We're back. We're back and we're ready to talk about controversy, Clive. Controversy. Okay. Mikel Arteta is going to have to pick a back four. When we come back from the international break, will he be tempted to pick Tierney, Kivior, Holding, Party as his back four as we finish the game on Sunday? <laughs> who knows right but it was um <laughs> i mean no well, let's I know, I know and the answer is no <laughs> but i do think it was really good of him to recognize ben white in the way that he did by taking him off i felt he was saying to everybody i want you to know how good this guy is you make sure you clap him off and that was my feeling and um and the Gabriel again with the game state allowed that to happen and Kivior came on and looked a lot better at home than he did in the away game and showed a level of athleticism that you can see there's a player in there that's gonna that's gonna arrive at some point. So that was quite comforting. Uh, Thomas Party right back thing earlier. I think um the first time I saw him was in that Atletico Madrid semi final, um, Europa League semi final when we messed up with Griezmann towards the end and and Atletico got a right back sent off. His, his name escapes me now. He plays for Croatia. And Thomas Partey went right back. And I looked at him that day mm. and thought, my goodness, you're a player. Uh, maybe one day you'll play for Arsenal. And, and that happened probably one or two years too late for me. But but yeah, it was it was um, it was a, it was a nice moment to see those guys play together. Really, and 
yeah, it's important that you know Gabriel never comes off. Like when his number went up, I was thinking, like, when was the last time Gabriel got subbed off? Like, I don't think I've ever seen yeah. that happen before. Yeah, again, again, he adjusted to the upholding different part of the thing really, really mm-hmm. well, and was a little bit more circumspect about when he jumped in to make sure his legs were there at the back door because Palace are quite speedy up front, as we know. So yeah, the, the whole collective group was just fantastically focused, and we worry, don't we? Because we know what we want to happen and we worry you know and also you were there at Leicester the focus was immense leave the there, worrying to me mate it's yeah we job. all worry didn't we we all worry that we're going to turn up and suddenly we're not going to look like this and we can't explain it it just comes out of nowhere and then when you see the players turn up with the focus greater than ours <laughs> then you think crikey we're going to be okay and that's how, that was my big thing at the weekend I just couldn't get over the focus and the accuracy and the the business-like approach to it all was just really, really good, really good. I have to say, I, 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 this is a very minor thing. This is not a talking point. We're not going to get into it. The VAR thing is starting to bother me. I've always believed VAR is good in football because we don't want the egregiously wrong decisions given. But mm. setting aside how bad they've been with VAR, like every goal had a VAR review in this game. And they were for like nothing. Yeah. For, you know, I, I mean – we are getting to the point where VAR is going back five or ten minutes and, like, on every goal, did anyone foul someone? Did anyone pull a shirt? And, like, what it's become is the goal nullification system. Yeah. That It was never meant to be that. It was meant to look at decisions and make sure big decisions weren't missed, right? So penalty. Was it a penalty? Red card. Should it have been a red card? Onside, offside, right? That's what it was meant for. Not goal. Let's make sure nothing happened leading up to it that we can take that goal away with. It's kind of become the goal nullification system. And that really is a shame. And I I just don't understand how VAR can be in the interna- international game, in the European game, and seem, by and large, pretty unobtrusive and effective. And then be in the best league in the world, TM, and just absolutely suck. Like, completely, totally suck. And if they don't get it right, then they should scrap it. Because... Like, while I hated some of the missed calls that would happen, and, and they really – we we could probably name them. We can name some of the terrible missed calls through the ages. We can name some of the terrible refereeing performances. Old Trafford a couple different times comes to mind. But this goal nullification system thing is is not what it was intended to be. So I, I don't want to go into that. I don't think it's a talking point, Clyde, but it did bother me. And you were at the ground. I'm sure you noticed it. Like, it feels like now every goal is subject to this forensic review, and it, it – it's just not not what we were expecting when this technology no. was brought into the game. It's not. And the worrying thing is we're starting to get used to it in a strange way in the ground. It's like, oh, here yeah. we go. And it's just like, it, it, it does take away the joy a little bit, you know. And my fear with it was, you know, the quote, the words I used was, I'm worried about it taking away the soul of the game. Because everything about the game is that in a low-scoring sport, it's all about that moment you have when you see a goal, you give a quick flick to the linesman to make sure everything's all right. If he's running back to the high line, you, you go mental. right? So now you, the linesman doesn't bother putting his flag up because he's scared to put his flag up because in case he stops a, a goal happening. So he's he's not doing his job. He might as well be sitting next to me and I'll give him a hot dog because he's not doing his job. you know. So um, And so because he's not doing his job and he puts the flag up late and then we're risking injuries and collisions and things like that, you know, risking hamstrings. I'm thinking, man, do your job. 
You know, put your flag up. You think it's offside. Ramsdale made a couple of great saves save from offside. From yes, offside. but the thing is, yeah. in a strange way, he made a couple of great saves that were offside, and the players knew they were offside. But these are these these things actually affect momentums in games. So Palace get them yeah. a bit of momentum for getting a shot on target, or or, yeah. Ooh, or they're in on goal. They had a yeah. big chance. Oh yeah. And, then, and when there's a VAR decision against you, and one of the games we had a goal disallowed, and it may have been a. Villa actually, or no, maybe in Leicester actually. Yeah, you were there when mm-hmm. Trossard's goal disallowed. That was the one sucked all the life out of the ground and, and the it, players. Yep, he killed everybody because it's such a beautiful goal, curled into the top corner, and they were searching for a reason to to stop it. And it's like we all know this, don't we? Look, we all, technology's not going away. The way I look at it is, I've accepted it. Technology once it's in the game, it's only going to it's only going to improve. It's going to increase, and we're going to the first time decisions miss that VAR would have picked up. We're all going to wish for VAR. So I have I have come to terms with it in my mind, but maybe we have to sharpen up its execution and implementation. Put time limits on things. If you can't spot it in the first ten seconds, then what are you looking at? Because no one else spotted it in the ground. Why are you spending two you know, one and a half minutes to look at something when it's not really there? You know. So it's it's changed, mate. It's changed. It's, it's changed the game a lot. And I have friends in non-league. It's, it's not meant and, to re-referee the game. Like, look, just look at the final action. That's all it should look at, right? Was the goal offside? Was there? Was the card, should it have been red? Was was the tackle deserving a red? Like, but that, but penalties, that's what you've decided. red cards, and offside. That's it. But this that's idea what, that you go back and say, oh, you know what? I think he kind of, like the, the Martinelli goal is a great example of how at Old Trafford re-refereeing the game, right? The ref saw that. He decided not to blow the whistle, rightly or wrongly. He saw, th- only look at the last action. Th- this going back and look, and I said, I don't want to make this a big talking point, but it, every game, it just feels like it's, it's stealing the soul of the game. And I, I hate to be that guy because I wanted VAR. I like VAR. I want it in the game. I watch Champions League. I watch the World Cup and I think VAR is fine. Then I watch the Premier League and I'm like, this is... It's not so good. what we're doing. So no. what we're doing, and, and I'll say I've got friends in Long League. Obviously, I've been in Long League for many, many years. And I speak to them, other coaches, and they say they don't like watching the Premier League anymore because it's a different game. You know, and and that's quite sad. You know, and there are people now that watch, maybe not listen to this podcast, but are involved in lower league clubs and watch lower league clubs and maybe enjoy those games differently because VAR is not there ruining their yeah. experience. And in the end, it is about the fan experience. It's a big part of it, right? So I do think it's going to have to be looked at. And there are people looking at it. You know, let's get the right people in the rooms. Let's make sure we have the right technicians in the rooms. Let's make sure we have maybe players in the room. Let's make sure that yeah. these decisions are really thought through appropriately. And to be clear, my point isn't Arsenal get screwed by it or any. It's not It's not that. It's just the, the way it's done. Anyway, I look... I'm fine with it staying in the game. I, it's, I just it's not can't anywhere, believe. I, and it's honestly, it's my same argument with the referees in the Premier League. Forget VAR. It's just the whole thing, which is how can you have such a good league that's so poorly refereed? So in general, I, ju- I just think the whole thing needs an overhaul. And the Premier, the Premier League better look at it because they can kill the golden goose with this stuff. So they got to be careful. Um, so Gabriel Jesus came on. I, I thought he would start this game. Uh, mm. Obviously glad he didn't because... More time for him to get ready and up to speed. He didn't have to play an hour. Instead, um, you know, he played, when did he come on? 64th minute. So he played about a half hour. And 
he looked like a guy who was really pissed off that he'd missed the party because <laughs> he was he was coming back for the ball. He was coming into our half to take it off the center backs. He wanted to play. He wanted a goal. He wanted to be involved. And everybody else was sort of jogging around, job done. And he's like, job's not done, mate. I get me a goal. Like I I, I I love his tenacity, but like I felt for him because he looked like the guy who had who had missed the party, like you're saying. I think um I still think it's going to get to the point where we're going to look at Gabriel Jesus one day and just be like, this is our best player and he has to play every game. I don't know if he's quite there yet, but there are still those little moments when he tricks his way past a couple of guys into the box or they just can't live with him. He has that little extra something, that ability to win a duel. And like Troussard's been, as I said, transformative. I think Jesus can still take us up another level. So what's your take on the the Jesus cameo? I think it was kind of much ado about nothing, but where we go now with this, because this guy's going to want to come and be our center forward again. It's what he was bought to be. I think he probably should be. But when is the right time for that? What What is your feeling about Jesus's role now? Because I, I still think our best chance to go on and do it is to do it with him playing. Yeah, uh, that's, that's where I am. And there's some big games that are in the calendar that we're all sort of half an eye looking at. And I want to be going to Anfield with Jesus in the team. You know, and... Because, you know, I do believe he gives us a physical confidence and he and he terrorizes other people. I'm really pleased that he's got these first few games under his belt and looks quite close to being him. He's not sharp yet. But he's now got two weeks of fitness training where he can really load up physically and really get himself back. So I'm afraid... I think next one's Leeds, is it, on the April, April the 1st? <laughs> I tell you what, Leeds. <laughs> you could be in some trouble. <laughs> you could be in some trouble because he's had these rusty moments. He looks sharp, but he's going to be better. He's going to be better. And I think he's important for our, our belief. He's important for my belief. I think Trossard and Martinelli and Saka have been excellent. Trossard goes away with the international group. Martinelli sits at home. Saka goes away. We know he's going to play. And um, so Jesus is going to be important in the next phase of the season. You know, he really is. And I think it's worked perfectly for him. He's now got his 10 games that he can really focus on and he's going to be ready. And we, this is what we need. We need these guys to take us over the line that we have never crossed before. But he has. And I think he said, I read something earlier, he said, this, is, this running is the best part of the season. For all of us, we're all petrified, right? <laughs> but for him, he yeah, said... I mean, I'd be, I'd be happy to go into a coma for about, I don't know, five just, weeks, roughly. I just want to, I just want to wake up and be May 28th. <laughs> and that's That'd what I want to do. And, um, mm-hmm. But he's, he's, he can't wait. But, he, but he's done it before. And I think this is where you really go. We bought his experience for this moment, for this moment didn't we? But here it is now. Last 10 games. Here you are, mate. Go and show us what you got. And I think he will. I really do. I, I can't wait to see him on, against Leeds. Leads are looking decent, to be fair. So hmm. game to maybe just be a little bit careful of there. Um, but yeah, I am I am quite curious to see when the Jesus reintroduction fully happens. I imagine he'll be putting in a lot of time at Colney and like maybe it will happen for Leeds because Troussard goes away with Belgium, right? And Jesus doesn't. And that may yep. be the difference. The guy who stays for two weeks and gets right up to fitness, and maybe he plays the hour against Leeds. And by the way, no one's going to be complaining if it's Gabriel Jesus starting. I think there's going to be a lot of happy people at the Emirates who decided that they'd pick Leeds as their game to go to. So we'll see. And 
this is where it starts to get interesting, Clive, because we play Leeds at home and Manchester City, to be fair, they stay home as well, but they play Liverpool. Um, Manchester City have two games against Bayern Munich, which could then lead to two games against Real Madrid. Yeah. They have uh, an FA Cup semifinal. Granted, not the toughest FA Cup semifinal, but an FA Cup semifinal nonetheless. And they've got Liverpool coming to Anfield where Liverpool has literally nothing on the line except trying desperately to get top four and to wreck Manchester City's season, which they'd love to do given Manchester City wrecked a few of theirs that should have been better. So there's a lot on the line there. Now, I'm not saying I expect Liverpool to get anything from that game. I think City should be and will be heavily favored, but we are 10 points clear. Granted, uh, I mean, eight points clear, pardon me, with 10 games to go. Granted, we have a game in hand now. Yeah. But City are chasing. And they're going to look at that Liverpool game and, and know, you know, they, they can't afford to have us beat Leeds and they, and they lose to Liverpool to go 11 clear with nine to play. So that feels like a very, very pivotal moment. And to have that coming back from the international break, who knows how things are going to look. The run-in is going to be really, really scary, Clive. And, and when you look at the fixtures, I can't help but be happy that we don't have Juve twice and United twice in April and May. I can't help it. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's right out of my mind now because Manchester City having to play Bayern twice and having to potentially play Real Madrid twice in, in this run is may, may wind up being the difference. But we've got City away. We've got Liverpool away. We've got Chelsea at home. You know, these are the tough games. How are you thinking about this run-in? I mean, I, I guess the way we have to think about it as fans, the same way the team do one game at a time, beat Leeds, and hope Liverpool bring their best performance. I, I think the max points they can get right now is 94. I think that that's where they sit. Um, you know, if if we can draw at the Etihad or if they can drop just a couple of games somewhere, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it, we're going to be doing a lot of math. I, you know, it's funny. I, I think we'll skip the Predictatron this season. I just don't think I have the heart to do it, and I don't think anybody has the appetite for it. But how are you, how are you thinking about the run-in? We are, we are 10 games from history, and it feels... All season long, I remember early on, I was saying, why can't we be Why can't we be in the title race? Look how we're playing. And people said, ah, I laughed it off title. Like, I think we're at the point now where there's no denying it. There's no avoiding it. Like, no matter how much you've been trying to protect yourself from it, we're 10 games away with, with, with eight-point lead at the top of the table. This is it. So how are you thinking about surviving the running? Yes. Um, what's, what's, what's really clear, yeah, it was particularly at the weekend and, I bumped to one of our patrons, his name's Josh, actually, a young, young guy. And we were talking, and he sort of said, you know, and it made me realize this is his first time seeing this. And there's so many people that haven't seen a proper league challenge. And, you know, I, we've got scars, you know, I've got lots of scars from previous cup final losses, European final losses that I've seen live. And I just sort of brush away the last time we won the league because we were, we were so good back then, we felt it was going to happen forever. But for a lot of fans, it's been 19 years, for a lot of fans, this is the first big moment. And maybe it explains away the really excitement in the stadium because there is a new generation being being developed right in front of our eyes with new heroes. And you know, the next generation is being defined right now and they are having their moment, their Anfield 89 moment. They're having it right now. And... That almost, to me, supersedes me getting worried about this game, that game. It's just, it's all about, for me, 
is making Man City make choices. They've got a lot of games to play. They might look at if we can keep winning, they're going to look and say, look, they're 11 points ahead, but we've got Real Madrid. We're going to have to make a choice about who we rest, and that can affect things. We, we need to win, so they have to make choices of how they rotate. You know, at the moment in time, they're flying and they're putting pressure on us. When they win the FA Cup, it's sort of the pressure seeps to us, even though it's a different competition. Got to make and make choices. Got to make and make decisions. Make squad rotation decisions. Hopefully, the more we made, for me, made a mistake playing Tomiyasu against Man City. We made choices because we had a number of games. We were a bit worried about Ben White and we dropped him. Why? But we made that choice. We were forced to make a decision and we got it wrong. All right? So. And we could have gone another way, and it would work perfectly. We got it wrong. We lost the game. We didn't deserve to lose the game. Let's make City make choices by keep doing what we need to do, which is win football matches. And then they're going to look at this table and say, they're not going away. As a club, Man City are going to be defined if they win the Champions League or not. They need to save their legs for that competition. But if we are throwing things away, they can they can jog up past us, focus on the Etihad game on the 26th, and put real pressure on a team that's never done it before. So we need to focus on just accumulating points and make them make decisions, mate, and then hopefully you know, make the end of May a really happy experience. If I were Liverpool, and I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm a human man. I'm not a football club, just to be clear. But if I were Liverpool Football Club, these cheating bastards at the Etihad cost me glory with their financial doping. And I would want to pay them back. And I think the best way I could pay them back is to go out thrashing, kicking, running, shooting, aggression, all blood and thunder at the Etihad, and then just roll over and get my tummy tickled at the Anfield, at Anfield uh, uh, for Arsenal. In fact, I'd probably play North London forever, uh, the Angel, at, at Anfield before kickoff against Arsenal. And then literally have my players lay in the grass for 90 minutes as Arsenal went up and down the pitch scoring and winning 10-0. That, that's the only sensible thing for Liverpool to do. I mean, Clive, surely you have to see it the way I do here, right? If you're Liverpool Football Club, you want to wreck City's season the way they wrecked seasons where you should have had titles and roll over and get your tummy tickled for Arsenal. It is the only sensible solution. And, and I, I expect that's what they'll do, right? You as well? Mm, I don't think so. I think um, no? no. I think um, there is the other side to this coin because we are sitting here so happy about what we're doing, the lovely feelings around the ground, inside and outside the ground, and all around the Arsenal watching world. So positive. But I'm afraid there are some sets of fans, like the Chelsea fans, who are grumbling right now um, that would love to sort of stop us at the Emirates. You know, Anfield, you know, we never do well there. Can we turn that around? Well, we didn't do well at Spurs' ground until this season, so that gives me a little bit of hope. I, I think, you know, Southampton came, you know, they beat us towards the end of last season. I don't know how they did that. We've got them to play. I just think, I can't, I don't want to sound like a, a, a coach or a manager, but I just want us to focus on us, really, and keep doing what we did at Leicester, at Fulham, you know, versus Fulham, sorry, and really keep doing what we're doing because it can't be stopped if we're that focused. Honestly, I'm watching this football. It can't be stopped. When we're on it and we execute it properly in the in the attacking third like we did, I mean, we play well against City, but we just blew it in the box. 
You know, we blew it in the box and we broke Brittle at our end and gave the first goal away. We blew it in the box and they grew in confidence. They grew in their ability to stop us. And then they just waited for their chances and they executed with their with their super superstars at the top end of the pitch. But we still had them. We had them. And that's a great lesson. And I do think this team's superpower is its ability to learn lessons really fast. Mm. Granite Shack, as you mentioned earlier, great example. In the box now, he's just hitting it. He scored two goals straight away from the one he missed the other day. I think we've got a great ability to learn lessons. So if we can get our top boys on the pitch in the right frame of mind, I think on those games that we're all looking at are scaring us, I think we're going to be all right. I really do think we're going to be all right. And I think we're going to cause them problems now. We're not we're not a bunch of kids rocking up anymore, hoping to last the course. No. Yeah, I mean, they've matured just over the course of this season, right? With, mm. with everything they've been through and everything they've achieved. I think it is... It is somewhat ironic that this run-in starts. And who's the team that has the ability to make a difference in the title race? It's the team that's been there dueling with City the last several years. They go to the Etihad. They're home to Arsenal consecutive weekends. By the way, for people who still, I think Paul is in this category, you may be as well, Clive, who still don't understand what a trap game is, (laughs) let me just be clear. Leeds is a trap game. Back from the international break. We haven't been focused on the club. Trip to Anfield next week. Want to watch Liverpool versus City at the Etihad. Oh, by the way, you still have to do your job. Yeah. So that's the trap game. That's the one we have to get through. We will finish with this, though, Clive. Um, and and before, before I, I get to it, I just want to say, like, April looks scary. I, my thing, my version of the taking it one game at a time thing, right, is I'm trying to soak all the joy out of this. Seasons like this do not come around often. It's been a very, 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 very long time since we've had yep. anything like this. And as scary as it is, and I I literally think if it's coming down to the final day, I'll throw up. Like, I will th- I will throw up, and, and that's before the drinking. Um, <laughs> but, like, I'm trying to extract the joy out of it, and I hope I hope – through the nerves, you can extract some joy. By the way, for sitting there saying, I cannot extract any joy out of this right now. <laughs> like, I, like I, who am I to argue? But surely you can extract joy out of the Tottenham manager, literally basically reciting it's the history of the Tottenham Clive. We have to, we have to at least cover this. Antonio Conte, I mean, he is trying so hard to get sacked. It is the funniest thing I have ever seen in my life. He says the players are shit. He says the club is shit. He says... You know, the, whatever manager they bring in, this will continue to be who they are. There's no ambition. We're not any good. The players are selfish. They play for themselves. It's everyone's fault but Antonio Conte. And I'm extremely here for it. And I just, I cannot enjoy this enough. I mean, I, and the beautiful thing is I'm so glad we don't play them again because I can just enjoy this to the fullest without any worry that they can get any retribution. We've beaten them twice. Um we're just absolutely having them this season. So how much did you enjoy the Conte press conference and, and just generally the, the season that Tottenham Hotspur are having? I mean, they stink and their manager is so eager to tell them they stink. Yeah, I, I think I thought it was a brilliant press conference. And I think it was almost like a an end-of-game post-match team talk that he decided to do in public. Right. And I think he's I think he's sick and tired of some of the things that I'm sick and tired of. And how the media create this environment where the club owner gets criticized. Now, I'm not a Daniel Levy fan, but mate, he's delivered an unbelievable stadium at a cost base, which is really, really good. Uh, it's unbelievable training ground. 
okay, they may be judged on the amount of contacts they have at the club at the moment, but you know, he's done his job off off the pitch, right? So so I think there's that side of things. I also think they always tend to focus on the manager and what Spurs tend to do, in my opinion, is they tend to shortcut it. They think, well, you know what, we, we want to pretend we're this big club, so we're going to shortcut it by bringing a superstar to appease the fans and paying Mourinho 80 million and Conte 50 million, whatever it is. That's not Spurs. What are you doing? Focus on your identity. Focus on, you know, playing your football the way you want to play as a fans that way you want to see this stuff. Stop trying to shortcut your way to the Super League status. Because in the end, you've got to play football on grass. If you look at Spurs' semi-final record over the last 10 years, it's disgraceful. When they get to semi-finals, they blow it. They fired their manager the week leading to a final you know, to save money. You know, what, what are they doing there? But also, there's a group of players, particularly young players, the players that are in, close to the England squad or in the England squad in recent years, that get protected by the media. And they don't deliver under pressure. And Conte called it. He called it. He says, you, the media, are there, want to disrupt managers, want to disrupt the ownership, but you don't say anything about the players. And he's dead right. He's dead right. We fans tend to focus on sack the board and sack the manager. And there are times in my past when I've really focused in on our players. Players have changed. Suddenly the board are pretty nice. The manager's pretty good and everything's good, right? So focus on your players and what they do under pressure. Can they deliver? Can they deliver? My brother's a Spurs fan. I mentioned it before. I'll say something to you. When they got to the Champions League final, he was hoping and praying that Harry Kane didn't start the final. Harry Kane was injured, remember? He didn't play in the semi. Lucas Moore mm-hmm. got him to the final. Fantastic performance against Ajax. He got him to the final. They, Ajax were brilliant. And he, ripped that, he ripped that away from them himself. Of course, Harry Kane, like Lazarus, got himself fit. Wasn't fit. Had 21 touches in the final. And Liverpool fans were so happy when they saw his name on the team sheet. Liverpool bossed him. Go away. Win the trophy. Spurs don't do it. There's something not right in that club, and I'm, I'm here for it, mate. Long may it continue. They don't know who they are. When they had a guy that was really good for them, they got rid of him and, and waited many millions thereafter trying to get a superstar major in. I'm not a fan, Elliot. I don't know if you know I'm not a fan. No, um, I am enjoying their season, though, and and I would say they probably have to move on from Conte, and the only answer is give it Sherwood till the end of the season. Like that's that's <laughs> got to be the answer. Give it this isn't this isn't a Conte season. exit plan because his exit's decided. This is Conte yeah. saying to him, "You lot, you lot need to start saying it as it is to the media." And this is how it is, and I'm going to tell you how it is. And, um, I and what's he did brilliant a great is great job. They're a club that's stuck because right now the only good thing about them is Harry Kane. Let's be honest; like he's still he's still good enough to drag them through some games. But surely he's finally going to leave them. And I it mean, depends where he goes, right? And again, they're going to be stuck in his shadow for a long time. I don't, I don't know how they're going to recover from that. Frankly. Yeah, and and they need to they decide. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully, hopefully they don't. If he if he goes to Manchester United, or Sp- what needs to happen? Spurs need to think, look at this cleverly, and say, last season, take the money, don't ask for too much money, take the money, and give this, give the guy that you've invested in, in a manager, proper money to build the team. They didn't. They didn't do that. And so, hey, mate, I, and it, we spent way too long talking about them already. 
I want to see more and more dumb decisions coming out of that club because then it just makes us look even better than we actually are. And the fact that we are top of league and doing it with a similar expenditure with a group of young players, academy players, and all the things that you want to see happening in the club must be hurting them quite a lot today. Yeah. And I mean, it's so nice for them to be this bad in a season when we're this good. Because in recent seasons, we've tried to extract some of their misery while we were having some misery of our own. And this is, I mean, we are 20 points clear of them. <laughs> it's bananas. Yeah. Like, and, and by the way, I mean, I, I know we talked about City and Arsenal in the run-in. Like, we do need to keep one eye on Manchester United, who um, they didn't play in the league this weekend, so we were able to pull just the 19 points clear of them. Um, they have got games in hand, so um, so yeah. yeah, be careful. They be careful. they were able to squeak through uh, through the FA Cup with the help of three red cards, one for their manager and two for players. So you know the PGMOL still doing its level best to make sure that they can have the season they hope for. Um, yeah, it's just I I very 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 much enjoyed Sunday, and and it's nice to have it happen on a weekend when City don't even play. All they can do is watch us pull further ahead looking really good. If I'm a city player right now, I'm saying that that team looks pretty good right now. Maybe yeah. I maybe I should focus on Bayern and let's hope that's how they're feeling. So we're gonna enjoy the interlull. We'll have lots of good content. We'll we'll do a rewatch for this because how could you not? Um we got plenty of time to do some other stuff. Um maybe we'll try some some new some new concepts over on the Patreon side of things if you want to join us there. And if not, that's fine. What I will tell you is when we come back from the interlull, we will be kicking off our fundraiser. Uh, and there'll be a lot more to come from that. I have a lot of really interesting stuff to share uh, with you from a trip that I took um, to really get prepared for that and really understand where our our resources are going and who they're helping. And I, I hope that you can uh, come along on that journey with us because it's it's going to be really special. And um, the way this community showed up last year blew me away. We're going to need to do it again. So there'll be more on that uh, around April 1st, which will also bring with it the return of Premier League football. So hopefully we can take a little breath, reset, get our psyche and our nerves aligned for what is going to be a relentless uh, month and a half, hopefully, to glory in history. Uh, Clive, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. You can find Clive on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Alex Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. We love you. I know I say it every podcast, but I really, really mean it and um, hope to see you at some live events. If not, just to see you here and, and have a chance to share what is hopefully a historic season with you uh, all the way to the finish line. So we do very, very much love you and thank you for being here. We love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. Please don't. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.